0: Hello everybody and welcome back to Cooking in Real Time. I'm Zora O'Neill and I'm gonna do a little standard format uh, episode tonight. It'll be, I think, pretty quick. It is gonna be Moroccan lentils, Moroccan style lentils and a really quick raw beef salad. So the reason I'm cooking this I was really thinking hard about how my cooking has changed in the 10 years since I did the first the first set of episodes of this podcast and embarrassingly in a lot of ways my cooking has not changed at all so like when I'm thinking of what to cook for this I'll be like oh I actually already did that um so I don't want to you know repeat myself so I was thinking back about what all I've changed and introduced into my routine. And one of the things is this Moroccan lentils recipe. I think I learned it in, I don't know, 2013 or something like that. It was from taking a cooking class at Cafe Clock in Fez. We cooked a few things for the class and the woman who's teaching it was like, I'm gonna give you a little a little booklet with the recipes in it, but I'm not giving you the recipe for these lentils because you have to memorize the recipe before you leave here. It's so simple, there's no reason. You shouldn't just know it by heart. And uh, I'm getting out some pots here to do this in or a pot, I should say. And it really is simple. Over the years, once it was sort of incorporated into my cooking, uh, I began to see how it was very similar in a way to lathera, the oil cooked vegetables and beans I was talking about a couple episodes ago in Greece and Turkey. There's a decent amount of oil, and it's the same thing where everything's just sort of put in the pot together, layered into the pot, and left to cook. So it's a Thing that comes together very quickly, and it's also a great thing to know if you if you travel, if you find yourself in different places and different kitchens, because it uses very common ingredients and uh, you know pantry ingredients and things like that. So you can make a batch of it almost anywhere you go, and I found myself doing that in several places. So. It's lentils and it's the brown lentils. So there are pink lentils and those are the kind that when you cook them turn, turn soft and bright orange and kind of like lose their shape completely. That's how you make the kind of orangey lentil soup. And then brown lentils are actually those exact same lentils. They just have their skin on. So the pink lentils, the reason they don't hold those shape is because they don't have any skin. There are also slightly bigger green lentils, and those work as well. You can do those. They're the the French lentils that have a little bit more of a bulbous shape. I know lentil comes from the word for lens because they have that little lens shape. So the lens on French lentils is usually a little bit more curved, and um, those keep their shape a bit more. I'm gonna try A cup of lentils. So I'm measuring that out and I'm putting it in my little rice strainer just to give them a quick rinse. Just so there's like nothing foamy coming off or little bits of or whatever. So, I'm just going to set that aside while I quick prep the other stuff. And the other stuff is a small onion, and that gets chopped up pretty coarsely, or fine, depending. I honestly can't remember, so that's that's the trick about this recipe, right? we were supposed to remember it, we were supposed to memorize it, and I did in the class. I nailed it, went home, cooked it right away. Cooked it a lot in a couple years right after I learned it. And then there was a lag where I didn't cook it for like a year. And then I went, hmm, what all went in that? And it's so simple. I pretty well convinced myself I'm cooking the exact same recipe as I was taught. But who knows? Who knows? I actually went back to Morocco last year and stopped by Cafe Clock and took a baking class with somebody else. And I was like, oh, by the way, that lentil recipe you guys teach, tell me, tell me what it is so I can double check. And the guy told me, it was not my same teacher, like I said, the guy told me a completely different recipe. It was hilarious. He's like, well, lentils, let's see. What I would do is, and i was like, oh, okay, I need to go back to the source. But I think this is basically it. I'm just doing it in kind of, I don't know, quarter-inch squares, chunks. Just think about what you'd want in a spoon. You don't want big pieces that would take over a whole spoonful of lentils. This turns out something like, it's not a soup. It's not... Dry In Morocco, it's often served as a little appetizer, just on a plate by itself. And it's it's not in a bowl. It's like thick enough, just thick enough that it'll kind of stay in place on a plate. And you usually get some nice soft bread to go with it. So I just chopped up my onion. I'm going to do, I don't know, a few cloves of garlic. It's not a real garlicky thing, or I I don't remember it being that when I was taught it. So now I usually do, well right now I'm doing three cloves of garlic, you could do more. And if you don't have, if you happen to not have onions, for example, you could just use garlic and just use a bit more garlic. I've definitely made it that, that way in the past. I said before there's sort of an allium continuum you just want some in some form whatever you happen to have will usually work out just fine so i'm just giving those a quick course chop let's say in general moroccan food does chop things a little more finely than I personally tend to do whenever I've seen people cooking they're a bit more precise a bit more dainty than I would normally be so keep that in mind depending how much you want to I mean there's rustic and home style but there's also sort of a general preference for how you want how intact you want your ingredients to be in whatever you're making. And I would say the preference in this dish, in Morocco is for things to be pretty fine, so you can't tell them apart. So we've got onions, garlic, um, there is also red bell pepper. If you happen to have it, I've made it very successfully without but i happen to have it and it just gives a nice little sweetness and also you get a little bit of body from the pepper i think this is a very big one so i think i'm only going to use half i'll chop that up and see what it looks like and then I'll the side from there so you want to this was already sort of cut into from last night So most of the seeds were already knocked out of it, I just knocked some out and now I'm chopping it. I've cut it into sort of half-inch strips and then I'm going to cut it crosswise in smaller pieces. Again, think about kind of what, what you would want in a spoonful. So. be like half inch by eight inch, eighth inch rather pieces. Maybe I could should just cut the strips a little narrower. This one is skinnier, so this is more quarter inch by quarter inch cubes. Ordinarily this is this podcast is very much about timing and you would like start cooking And, you know, I have the heat going. Normally my thing is to have the heat going and and be sort of softening the onions. And in fact, it could do that. Once I get this pepper done, maybe I will put those things in just to give it a tiny bit of a head start. Really don't have to. Honestly, it would be more about clearing off the cutting board in this case Getting stuff out of the way, than doing any necessary pre-cooking. But all right, that's half a pepper. Just gonna do a tiny bit more. So, oh, maybe now is a good time for me to do my little rant about about how much of everything you use. So we have a little argument in our house when cooking. I tend to prefer. to not use the entirety of the ingredient. So there's a pepper here, if it's red pepper, and I really, I could put it all in, but it would give me a little bit more red pepper than I actually want. So I'm not gonna put it all in, and I'm gonna hold back this little shrimpy bit of red pepper. It's probably like a fifth of the red pepper. I'm just gonna hold that back and put it in a bag and put it in the fridge and it'll probably brighten up a salad or something in the next couple days. So I tend to do that with a lot of stuff. You'd be surprised what you can get out of those little extra bits that, the things that would make it too much if you're making something and they don't seem like quite enough. And then lo and behold, In a couple days, I'll be like, gosh, this salad really needs something. What could it be? Oh, little sprinkles of red pepper. So set yourself up for for further creativity down the road by setting aside little bits. Obviously, if you need the whole thing, go ahead and use it. I'm just saying, if you're on the fence about whether, whether you should put something in or not, And especially in these times, when we're trying to minimize going to the grocery store, may as well stretch things and then be pleasantly surprised. So I just drizzled a slick of olive oil there in the bottom of my heavy, I'm using like a Dutch oven, um, one of the enamel coated ones, not, not a straight cast iron. Because this has tomato paste, so it's not the greatest thing. You could use any kind of pot, really. It's not super acidic, so cast iron is not going to be a disaster, but preferable not to use it. But the enamel coated cast iron, which I'm using, is fine and nice and heavy. But there's enough liquid in this, you could also just use, you know, any kind of stainless steel pot. I often do this in a pressure cooker, although lentils cook so quickly you don't have to, but pressure cooker is default thing used in Morocco. So if you want to pressure cook this, it's fantastic. It takes like 10 minutes. So the only thing I find when I use a pressure cooker is you want to check the seasoning. Again, when you're done, there's something about the pressurizing that kind of leeches some of the flavoring out, so sometimes you have to zhuzh it all up again. I have the oil on very low here, and like I said, I'm just going to dump the onions and the red pepper in the oil. They're just going to be warming up. It's really just to make myself feel as if things are proceeding. I have not put in the garlic because That's a little touchier, and I don't want it to accidentally burn while I'm doing this other stuff. But onion and red pepper can handle a lot. What am I getting out here? I'm getting out the herbs. This is the last thing that needs to be prepped. We need parsley and cilantro remember when I was on this trip to Morocco, one of the people I was with was like, do you use cilantro in Morocco or And I was like, I don't think so. And then the very next day we went to this cooking class and they were like, yeah, the basic thing is cilantro and parsley. And I guess because I, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. I never think of things having a really strong pronounced cilantro flavor. So, oh, and maybe we won't have a pronounced cilantro flavor tonight because we have none. Oh no, here's a tiny bit. Okay, here's a tiny bit. Anyway, now, of course, since that minorly embarrassing moment when I thought I knew what I was talking about and totally didn't, since then, of course, I've noticed, you know, loads of Moroccan recipes call for cilantro but it's almost always cilantro and parsley together. So, and very, that's if you go to the market, it's sold that way too. you know, person selling parsley also sells cilantro. It's sort of the way parsley and dill are the default things in Greece. I've also, I have made this in the past with only parsley and it's fine parsley has the advantage of lasting a lot longer in the fridge, and in our case, it also has the advantage of growing on our roof. I, out of habit, just bought some at the store, totally forgetting that it was suddenly busted out, So, so I have some roof parsley and some store parsley, and the roof parsley is pretty intense, so I'm not using quite as much as I ordinarily would. You want a pretty hefty mound of herbs. In the end, you're gonna want, I would say like a cup and a half of chopped herbs. Again, this is where it ends up seeming quite a lot like the la the green beans we made, which are very much have that chopped herb mound on the top when you cook them. So I'm starting to chop where this differs from Raw. So if I were making lathera, I would stop chopping just about right now. Yeah, I would have stopped chopping several chops ago and been like, that's fine, it's rustic. It. I did that in this cooking class in Fez, and the woman was like, what? Keep chopping. Like, what kind of savage are you? How would you... Why would you want to stop chopping there. So I'm chopping and chopping. Maybe you want, in the end, you want like a, it's really chopped down finally. Okay. So what was I saying? Two pretty big handfuls of fresh herbs. And in the end, like I said, probably, that would probably fit in a cup in a measuring cup, one cup measuring cup. Keep going, keep going. So I think, like I said, there is a tendency in Morocco for things to be chopped a little more finely than lazy me would like. And I think the benefit of this is as with lathera, you get a a lot of liquid out of herbs and it makes a kind of sauce without you having to do anything. And the preference in Morocco is for the herbs almost dissolve. This is aided by things being cooked at a pressure cooker, which will just blitz things soft if you're not careful. So, I think this dish is the thing that, like, Chopped herbs more finely in my entire life for this dish and this dish only. I just saw some coarse ones at the top. That's why I snuck in. One more, one more chop. Okay. Oh, so elegant. So elegant. I never do this. I can hear over there. I can hear the onions starting to sizzle, so this is coming together just in time. Okay, we'll give those a stir. Make sure that's on the absolute lowest heat. Lentils are rinsed. And then, I'm going to make sure I have all my spices out. That's the important thing. So, powdered ginger, dry ginger is one thing. Um, Cumin is the other big one. Coriander, we just have to blitz this a little bit. I don't grind a lot of coriander at once because it loses flavor so quickly, but I try to do just enough so a couple times when I go looking for ground coriander, I actually have it. Okay, there we go. Mm, It smells so much better than if you buy ground coriander at the store, it's like wood shavings, it's totally useless. So, and usually I'm like, whatever, dried, fresh, blah, 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 just use more, but coriander especially, i have got nothing going on. So we've got some ground coriander, what did I start with, the ginger. Ginger, coriander, cumin, turmeric, salt and pepper, and oh, and some chili of some kind. You want some red chili. Um, Moroccans use just straight paprika often. So it's a really mild chili. If you're gonna use paprika, you could use the smoked Spanish kind, but it would be a very different tasting dish. So that's not the standard at all. I thought we had some mild paprika. Anyway, I have something here that's labeled Indian red chili powder, so we'll use that. And I think we're ready to roll. Put everything in the pot. Okay, I just dipped my garlic into the pot here. And I'm putting my lentils in on top here. No need to stir. Again, think of this in light of the Ladera episode. You're, you're just layering things into the pot. So onions, garlic, red pepper, Lentils over that. Then you want a little bit of tomato paste. You could also, if it's tomato season, you could use a regular small tomato chopped up, but that's not. Well, I've got this can of tomato paste and I'm just using, eh, like a generous tablespoon. Yeah, that's not a super tomato-y dish. So there's that and then we put in our spices. And I feel like I mentioned this in an episode a little while ago about learning in Morocco and my father learned the same thing. It's so cool. Like decades later this continuity in cooking styles that you lay the the spices in in little piles so you can keep track of what you've put in. And the cool thing about doing that is also helps you remember what to put in because you have this visual, this image of all the different colors. And that's my father, like decades, decades after living in Morocco was still like, yes, for a tagine, there's dark brown, light brown, and then yellow from the turmeric. And so I'm doing the turmeric. We've got cumin, coriander, turmeric, and ginger. So it's like three shades of brown. Very, very pale yellow-brown for the ginger. Sort of medium brown for the coriander. Dark brown for the cumin. And then the yellow turmeric. And we want some very generous salt. And I'm just gonna grind the pepper in there last. Oh yeah, and we want a little bit of red chili pepper. And I kind of remember this stuff being hot, so I'm only doing a tiny bit. Okay, uh, black pepper, that was the last thing. Right, right, Where'd to go. Oh, here. Now, and then the herbs. They just get dumped on top. Now, this is the cool part about the water. I think I mentioned this in the very first quarantine episode I did about putting water in according to knuckle depths. And that was something I learned in this class too, that you're just, you just want the, the liquid to be like one knuckle depth above the surface of the lentils. If you put in a little more, that's okay. You can always add a little bit more later if it looks like maybe, maybe it's too thick and the lentils aren't soft yet. All right, so that I had it all the way down on simmer, I'm gonna turn it up to medium high just to get it moving again, and then I'll turn it down. And I'm gonna start putting away all my stuff while I wait for that to happen, so I'm not just loitering around. This is when I make sure I put everything in that I meant to put in. Cumin. coriander. Yeah, I think we have it all. Anyway, so that's That's it, that's the lentils. They cook for about 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Well, depends, really depends on the lentils themselves and how old they are and all that usual stuff, usual variables with beans, you know, what type they are. So the goal of course is to get them soft, but without turning totally to mush, which I often overshoot and I do end up with slightly mushy lentils. Find you do that too. You don't really like mushy lentils, then go with those French lentils, the the little green ones, the little caviar lentils, or the dupuy, or however you pronounce it, dark green ones, because they do hold their shape a little bit better and give you some more leeway. Although they usually cost a lot more, too. And how are we doing? Yes, it's starting to bubble, so I'm going to turn it back down to medium row and just leave it and clean up my cutting board. So the other thing I'm going to make here is another thing, or general category of thing that I started cooking relatively recently, which is just raw beet salads. Which, you know, that sounds like really hardcore. I didn't think it was possible, honestly. I mean, I don't know what kind of strange mental block I had, but it didn't seem possible to eat a raw beef. I guess, I guess, lack of imagination, fear of raw food type people. I don't know but as a change of pace on beet salads, it's totally exciting and I find it very satisfying. I think what I'm gonna do is uh, just the beets, raw beets and a little dressing, maybe a little parsley, tiny bit of spices to kind of match the, the Moroccan vibe, but you don't want to get too thiny or anything. What we do most often with raw beets, I would say, is a green salad, like lettuce, beets, and a little bit of feta, and then that vinaigrette dressing I always make that was back in mentioned in several previous episodes, probably. So this, since we don't have any lettuce, oh, you know what we do have, though? We have arugula growing up on the roof, so I might run up... To get some of that to add to this, but later. So, maybe the reason I never thought of cooking with raw beets or eating raw beets before, I just didn't have the tools, or I didn't think I had the tools to deal with it. Grating a raw beet is a little bit of a hassle and a huge, huge mess. So, I don't recommend that. But we happen to have a food processor. So, we can do that with ease, and there's actually professor is one of those things we argue about whether it deserves to have counter space, because we don't use it a lot, and I'm the only one who does use it, so I'm always like, no please let it stay, but now that we have the the, uh, raw beet it's happening every so often, Prefessor serve is definitely earning its spot because I would not want to do this by hand. So, what I'm going to do, these guys. Last week, sometime, I made a recipe from a Turkish cookbook for a beet salad that was really delicious. That was beets and a little creamy vinegar dressing and little cubes of white cheese and parsley and olives. Which honestly, all those things seem kind of in keeping with. Moroccan stuff as well. I don't wanna have exactly what we had last week. So, and I ate all the olives, so we're not gonna have that part. But I think the rough idea of the dressing and the little bits of white cheese, because it's nice to have the cheese with the lentils, it all flows together. So we'll do basically that. rinsing off the beet stuff here right away because it dries out kind of belongs on for the processor makes the whole thing a lot more annoying than it has to be. So I'm just dumping the beets straight in the bowl. This is one beet by the way and it is humongous. I mean it doesn't seem like it's a huge beet, but once you grate it, it seems like tons. So, it's for two people. We usually actually they will grate one beet for the two of us for a salad, and then we usually end up setting aside a little half portion for somebody to have the next day for lunch or to add to another salad or something like that. The nice thing about it being just this hardcore root vegetable is it, kind of, it can sit in the dressing overnight, and actually just gets better. So I'm going to make a little little dressing for this, which is just going to be a clove of garlic. Brunch that up there. And I'm going to put that through through our garlic press. Oh, that was an interesting thing about the Turkish recipe actually was it was like you can roast the beets, you can boil them, or you can eat them raw, and I was like, great, I'll eat them raw because I don't feel like cooking them. But it included for the raw garlic, it had you boil it a little bit, and I was making rice, so I just threw the garlic in and most and the water I pretty much cooked off the rice by then. So I just threw the garlic in the pot on top of the rice and let it steam. So you didn't have that super burny garlic. So I used a lot more garlic on that salad. It was like four cloves, but it had been steamed. So it was mellower. I'm just gonna use a tiny bit. This was like one small-ish clove. And I'm using that slight broth. I have that in a little bowl and I'm going to do sort of one-to-one one ratio of olive oil and apple cider vinegar. You could use red wine vinegar, but I think, as I've said before, it's kind of nice to switch up the vinegars a little bit so everything doesn't end up tasting exactly the same. And a little lemon. I had a couple lemons. I see him. I see him there, hiding. Okay, just because I happen to have the lemon, give that a squeeze, but you can use just vinegar also. And then, honey, honey isn't necessary, I wouldn't say. I very successfully made beet salad without any honey, but since that one Turkish recipe was so good, We'll add a little drizzle. That Turkish recipe was actually pretty heavy on the honey. It was like equal parts oil, vinegar, and honey. And I'm not going to use that much honey on this because you know beets are pretty sweet on their own. So I'm just going to stir that all up so the honey dissolves. Oh, and scoop out scoop out that lemon seed, that's right there. All right, and that can just get tipped right over, right over the beets. It's not like a lettuce salad where you wanna wait until the last minute to dress it because the lettuce will wilt. You actually want to subdue the beet. Tiny bit, oh, how did I get another lemon seed in there? That was more trouble than it was worth. Jade. And, put a little salt in there before I forget. Okay, and then what else do we want to put in here? Oh, I set the little bits of cheese. This is optional, totally optional. Like I said, feta is great. Um, and it just gives—it's like a nice, a nice textural contrast with the beets. And color-wise, it's kind of cool to have something white that then, of course, turns bright pink when you stir it up. So this cheese I have—I'm not using feta. I have this Syrian, Syrian cheese, which is basically like mozzarella, not fresh mozzarella, but, you know, more like, more like packaged mozzarella that you would get at the supermarket, although this tastes a little fresher than that, a little less processed. But it's nice because it cuts up into cubes pretty easily. It has a certain, it's one of those firm cheeses that has a little bit of a squeakiness to it, which is always entertaining. And I just did three little slices. Honestly, I probably only wanted about two slices, but I kind of wanted a little extra to nibble on. Hard to resist eating them out. Mm, I can smell the lentils. They're developing nicely behind me. When I'm done chopping this cheese, I'll go stir them and make sure they're okay. Third slice of cheese. These are kind of quarter inch cubes, something like that. Smallish. Again, think what you want in each bite on your fork and hmm, to nibble on right now. Oh, it's very squeaky, (laughs) this cheese. Okay, and for color, we want a little bit of parsley. Just chopping a little off that bunch. And I'll spare you the real time trip to the roof for arugula. But trust me, it's there, it's happening. I'm looking back at the lentils in there, being very um, very steamy. It's turning the flame down quite a bit lower. Yeah, you can hear that they're bubbling a little faster than I'd like. I mean, it's not so bad. It just you run the risk of the water boiling away and the thing scorching. So I prefer to have them cook slightly more slowly while I'm doing this other stuff so it doesn't get away from me. All right, a handful of parsley on top of the beet salad. And do any little herbs with that? Spices, you know. This is. I just noticed we have some zaatar. Zaatar is Lebanese, and Morocco is all the way at the other end of the Mediterranean. But I'm gonna go ahead and do it. But I just don't want you thinking that I'm like, hey, it's a Middle Eastern meal. It all goes together. Very different cooking traditions, Morocco and Lebanon, but za'atar is very tasty and I think it'll be great on the salad. Za'atar is, um, everyone says oregano, it's not really the green herb, it's not really oregano. I believe it is hyssop, although it's tricky because Zatar is a word that is used by for different plants in different areas but if you go to Syria for example and you order a fresh zatar salad you get a salad with hyssop and then zatar, the herb mix is that and sesame seeds and a little sumac and salt and my friend Laura brought me some back from lemon which was incredibly nice. So I'm just putting that into the salad, and the salad's pretty much done. That's all there is to it. Which means we're really jumping on the last little bit of beet that didn't, didn't go through the food processor. It means we're really just waiting on these lentils. And they're probably, they taste about 10 minutes off being finished so now is just you know when I will clean up the kitchen anyway I'm gonna let you go enjoy your lentils enjoy your beet salad and um, I'll be back I'll be back next week Lord willing and the creek don't rise take care of yourselves Look for recipes on the website, cookinginrealtime.com, as usual. And as usual, also, if you have any questions or suggestions or complaints, drop me a note. Happy cooking, everyone. Take care of yourselves. Be safe.